0: Welcome to Transforming Education Leadership Lessons. This podcast is hosted by Northwestern College in Orange City, Iowa, and brings you thought leaders who are inspiring and influencing education today. You can subscribe to this podcast to help you discover the influential and inspirational leadership qualities that will help you become a transformational leader. Use their experiences to help you transform, influence, and inspire. My name is Gary Richardson, director of the Principal Endorsement Program and instructor in the Education Department at Northwestern College, and I will be your host. Thanks for listening and spending some time with us today. This episode, we will be discussing leadership lessons with my friend, Jeff Herzberg. Jeff attended Northwestern from 1983 through 1988 and received his bachelor's degree in education followed by his specialist degree from Iowa State University. Jeff has been the chief administrator at Prairie Lakes AEA and the superintendent of Gilmore City Bradgate since 2013, and before that served the Sibley O'Cheden School District as superintendent. Jeff was principal at Iowa Falls and Webster City and a teacher at Van Meter and Remsen Union Schools in Iowa. Jeff has a passion for redesigning learning to meet the needs for all learners. Jeff was the keynote speaker at the recently held Trauma-Informed Conference held here on campus this past April 4th. Jeff has a passion for informing schools about how trauma in the lives of children affects their ability at school. Jeff serves on the Children's System State Board for Mental Health as a governor's appointment and has been instrumental in bringing in awareness to this important topic to not only Northwest Iowa, but the entire region. Jeff is a youth mental health first aid trainer and also serves on the governor's STEM council. Jeff, welcome today. I know you to be a statewide leader for all schools with that introduction biography. Is there anything there that I need to add to or you'd like to correct?
1: Well, one of the things I'd have to add is that I am married to my high school sweetheart, Wendy, and she also (laughs) is a Northwestern College grad and we're the proud parents of six children and now two grandchildren. So I'd like to put that in there.
0: That's great. You played football here at Northwestern in the mid-80s. What are some of your fondest memories about that time in your life? And if I remember right from a conversation we had a number of years ago, did you have the entrepreneurial spirit to open up the first Blockbuster in Orange City?
1: Well, it wasn't the first movie (laughs) store, but and it wasn't Blockbuster. It was a Top 40 video. Oh, that's right. Yeah, absolutely. We started that as sort of an alternative. Uh, We weren't maybe happy with the way college students were (laughs) being treated at the time and the other store. And so, yeah, we started that, and it was very successful, and we had a great time doing that, so... But as far as fondest memories, you know, about just being here and being able to experience Coach Corver and all the other coaches, uh, teammates, and everything about the football program and my time here, I uh, remember a lot of uh, great people learning know more about Coach Corver on trips to away games. We used to take vans and we'd load up my positions, and so he or others would drive us and we'd get to spend a lot of time talking about things outside of football. I had a chance to work for the Parks and Rec Department at that time. Earl Wildster was the head of that, and so I got to know Earl well, and we did a lot of fun things together, so uh, just had a tremendous experience at Northwestern.
0: We're visiting with Jeff Herzberg, Chief Administrator at Prairie Lakes AEA. Jeff, if I were to say that I view you as a transformational leader, would you agree with that or argue with it?
1: Certainly that's been my goal, to transform uh, what may be considered traditional education to something that meets the needs of students at higher levels, uh, or at least more students than we've maybe been reaching in the past. So um, trying to look at data and create systems and all the roles I've had to try to make that happen. And again, we've made some good progress in the last 30 years in my career and it's because I've been able to work with some great teams. Without the other administrators or folks that I've had a chance to work with, the boards that I've been able to serve, we've really done some good things together, but there's a lot of work still to do.
0: The title of the podcast, Transforming Education Leadership Lessons, I wouldn't want to use the word transformative as as meaning that I or others are dissatisfied with education rather than As things move quickly in in this day and age now, how we're able to receive information, that transforming, I think, simply means evolving and improving and being flexible. And how do we do that? I think that's hard. I think that's hard for leaders to uh, adapt to all the things that are changing and and the different groups of people that you have. So um, I see that, that you have taken on is trying to provide a system that you can change and that, more importantly, changes for the benefit of kids. As we add to our archives of, of podcasts, it's important to me uh, that young leaders or educators get to hear some things that could clearly help them avoid some of the stakes that you and I possibly made early in our careers. So, Jeff, what is one thing that you wish you had known when you started out in education that could help our younger listeners?
1: I think, I, Gary, I wish I would have been more aware of the politics, both within and those external forces that impact schools, whether that's you know staff who've been around a long time or traditions of things we do at this place that interesting make us feel like we're you know continuing a legacy or something. The outside forces on education, I think, politics today is very frustrating. That I have to spend a good portion of my job advocating uh, yeah, for the importance yeah. of education, or in, as you said earlier, the mental health issue. Uh, that shouldn't be a political issue in any way, shape, or form. Neither should education. But So I think that's one thing. Maybe I went in a little bit as a bull in a china shop and uh, maybe wish I would have been a little more aware of that, could have made some inroads early. But again, 30 years is a lot of time to practice. So,
0: One of the goals of, of the podcast, Jeff, is to provide listeners with leadership lessons that help them as they lead students, staff, or administrators. What are leadership qualities that you have seen through the years and those that you would consider effective leaders?
1: Well, first and foremost, you know, I think people need to be able to listen in our roles, really hear what people are saying, not just go through the motions of, you know, gathering input or trying to be inclusive, but actually hearing how decisions or how the things we're thinking about may impact their world also listening to hear what may be going on with adults behind the scenes. You know, We talk about mental health and trauma for young people, the percentages, the importance of that is also in all of the adults that work in our systems. And I don't know that we've done a very good job of promoting self-care for educators. I don't know that we've done a very good job of, again, really listening to what the needs of the adults are. And again, I'm talking about the areas of mental health supports and the trauma that may be impacting us for our whole lives because I do think the needs of kids in terms of education come first. But, again, I think we need to be good listeners. I think we need to be great models. You know, I've always sort of taken the belief that I need to be the best teacher uh, within any of the organizations I've worked in, take that pretty seriously, that I can still model effective engagement or instruction or delivery of content in a way that makes sense for everybody. I think a person also has to be someone that can inspire others. I think back to, again, experiences here at Northwestern throughout my career. I think good leaders really get people brought together around a cause and can inspire them to be better than they were yesterday or to do something great as a group.
0: We both follow Eric Scheninger, and he made a statement that resonated with me as a leader. He said, change requires challenging the status quo, moving outside comfort zones, and resisting conformity when it doesn't meet the needs of those we serve. How would you respond to that statement?
1: Yeah, I certainly support the premise of it and think that, you know, just because we've always done something this way, it shouldn't always be that way. But there may be good reasons to continue, right? And so I think we need to continually evaluate the reasons we do anything as it relates to young people and adults in education and make sure that we're not just changing for change's sake, and that we really are as, you know, his comment about meeting the needs of those we serve. We really look at it as, you know, serving others and our roles, and that we're um, trying to make sure everybody gets what they need as closely as possible. And I think that there's also a little bit of things I've read recently about, you know, uh, we always want to think outside the box, but we do have to live within the box at times, uh, whether that's state requirements, federal guidelines whatever it might be. And so it is a little bit hard just to change everything because I've been in that mode for the most of my administrative career. I want to blow up stuff and, you know, create all new. And that's not always as um, simple as it sounds.
0: Sure. Well, Jeff, what are you curious about right now in the world of education?
1: Uh, There's a couple things that come to mind. First and foremost might be, why are we making this work so complicated? Seems like we've taken learning and really made it more complicated than it should be. So the fun, the reason why many people went in because they wanted to build relationships or make a difference is being sort of taken out of their hands because we've made it so complicated. And I get the oversight and the data collection, I get all of that, but you know, when it comes down to it, our business comes down to a couple things, right? Building relationships and helping kids learn. Helping kids learn could take a lot of different forms, and it's certainly kids want to learn in different ways. They want they're interested in different stuff. So, uh, I'm curious about that. Uh, I'm also very curious about why we can't meet the needs of every child today. It's 2019, and we're still acting like you know we're not sure what kids need or what they might be passionate about. So, let's take the examples of some folks who are making a world of difference. The new No Boundaries program at Okaboji, or the Iowa big models, the May term, J terms that are great experiences for kids. And let's turn that into learning every day all year long.
0: Very interesting. Very good. Teacher as servant. That's the philosophy of Northwestern's education program. And as you well know, has been for many years. How how would you describe servant leadership?
1: I think it really comes from trying to model, you know, God's impact on our world and you know his example of sending his son to die for us I think that's the ultimate modeling for the rest of us about mm-hmm. how you know really not thinking about his needs but rather the rest of humanity in a grand sense but I do think that our roles as leaders in education is about serving the needs of others and and trying to keep our own needs for advancement or career aspirations that stuff happens when you serve others well not you get the aspiration and then you think about serving others later so I read a great book once called leaders eat last and the the title just stands out to me a lot you know there are days when we think we have things to get done but we just got to remember that you know our needs come last and that we should really try to put others before us at all times
0: we are speaking with Mr. Jeff Herzberg, Chief Administrator of Prairie Lakes AEA, and Jeff, you are on campus providing a keynote address for the Trauma-Informed Conference. Why is the mental health and trauma conversation so important to educators?
1: Well, personally, just to make a quick connection to my past, my mother dealt with mental health issues her entire life, and so I grew up in a home that was sometimes chaotic, sometimes unpredictable, and that made a huge impact on myself and my education. And then, as I became in that servant leadership role, whether it was a teacher, coach, or administrator, I've just tried to remember that people can be going through things and we don't know about it. So, that's, you know, again, a bit of personal passion about this topic. But the other reason it's so important is it's happening to everyone. We all know somebody that has been struggling with depression, anxiety, eating you know, disorder, uh, some sort of mental health, substance abuse. Um, and so it's impacting everybody. So we really do need to think more about how does this impact, again, both our schools and supporting the adults that work there or our classrooms when we you know, have kids that are coming from backgrounds that uh, in many ways might be horrific. Um, or might be, again, some low level of anxiety that if we don't address it at that level could become worse over time. Right,
0: right. You played football for Coach Corver here at Northwestern and I was reading a bio on on Coach a couple weeks ago and he always emphasized that one of his highest goals was to prepare young men to be outstanding husbands, fathers, and leaders in their community. I found this just to be fascinating. As Coach was modeling these traits 30 years ahead of all of the John Gordon disciples that are out there that we read about today and that we learn about, and that's good. I mean, that stuff's really good. It, again, being repetitive, I'm fascinated that this was Coach Corver's stance in 1975. We're many, many years later, and he was just ahead of his time. So, how did Coach Larry Corver influence your life and leadership abilities?
1: Well, I tell the story a lot, Gary, about the first meeting that we had as a football program in the fall of nineteen eighty three, the scared, skinny freshman coming out of the locker room, probably ten minutes later than we should have, because we thought when he said the meeting started at eight, it's actually started at eight. And we got to learn very quickly it actually that means it starts at seven fifty or sometime before eight. And he started asking us the question why we were here. You know, as a young person who I had some success in high school athletics and thinking I was going to, you know, change the world with my gifts and abilities at Northwestern. Uh, realized very quickly he wasn't talking about football. He was talking about doing all the things right in your life and football was a very small component of that. And so I tell people in 5 years because I uh, actually separated my shoulder that freshman year so I redshirted back in 1983 and got to play another year which was great. Uh, you know, coach was never talked about or I don't remember him talking about winning football games you know with all the ways college athletics has changed these days the importance of winning and coaches getting fired for not winning or uh, doing terrible things uh, to put kids at risk uh, coach was talking about doing the little things right so that you know we were good people husbands fathers employers employees the other stuff just came together and sure. obviously he's I think he's the eighth winningest coach in college football history at least NAI-wise, maybe and that, maybe that's percentage of record. But um, he was a great model. When we would be go get, get, to get ice on Sunday morning from the training room, he would be up on the stage squatting. You know, and, and we all at the time were thinking that, you know, wow, you know, he is always trying to improve himself. He's always looking to get better uh, himself, which helped all of us and, and really modeled that behavior for all of us. He was fantastic.
0: Interesting. I'm going to shift gears just to, for a minute here. I'm going to go from Bubs Corver to Mr. Rogers. As a leader, Mr. Rogers, and yes, that Mr. Rogers, stated that there are three ways to ultimate success. The first way is to be kind, the second way is to be kind, and the third way is to be kind. Your
1: thoughts? Actually, I made a statement similar to that at the trauma conference. You know, I think we should use the moniker, the hashtag these days of always be kind, ABK, because if we would do that, again, in our relationships with other adults, peers, young people, it would make a tremendous impact on society because obviously we've gotten to a place in our world that that's not the first thing or the first way or that's not the majority of people. Uh, Whether it's in a customer service situation, it's uh, you see a family in the grocery store, whatever it is, being kind seems like it's we're losing sight of that. So I wholeheartedly agree with Mr. Rogers and miss him a lot.
0: Yeah, Mr. Rogers would also say that leading is more about being than doing. What does that mean to you?
1: Again, it comes back to who we are and how we carry ourselves, how we model I can do a lot of things and people can see through very quickly if that's not authentic or if it's not who I am as a person it conflicts with something you know I've said before or something I've done before so again I think coming back my principal preparation program which started back in about uh, 1991-92 at Iowa State University with Barb Licklider who was a tremendous impact on my life a professor there And the first class about principal leadership, again, she was asking us who we were and what we stood for before we got into building schedules and doing all the things that principals do. And it was very much made me think about this, what you just said, about who we are as people and what we're going to stand for, what convictions will we have going forward when things get messy. Uh, People need to know that, and we need to provide that predictable structure for people.
0: You know, I think the world today is about this is what I did. This, this is the system I created, or this is how much money I made. This is what I have done to be successful. The being part is just, in leadership today, is, is being, is who you are. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you resonate with the people that work for you? Do you care about them? Do they know they care, that you care about them? Um, or are, you, are you trying to make them to be the best possible person that they can be? And um, that's part of my wife statement. And then I realized that was so lacking that. I had to add one word to that. If if I'm going to help people be better than they ever thought they can be, and I got that phrase from Coach Corver, by the way. That's another story. I found that you had to invest. The word is invest. And in, when you invest in people, it takes time. And that is doing, but the investment part is about being, mm-hmm. about being who you are. So can I share a Mr. Rogers story that I don't know why I'm on this other than I started reading about him, and I was fascinated because when he was doing his show, I probably more made fun of it because of the way he looked or whatever, I don't know. But I didn't, wasn't really watching the show. But as time has gone on, you read all these things that are so profound that affect even today. So this came from a commencement speech at Dartmouth years ago, and it reminds me of of you, Jeff, and the work that you do in your role and what you have done, but kind of goes like this. Have you heard my favorite story that came from the Seattle Special Olympics? Well, for the 100-yard dash, there were nine contestants, all of them so-called physically or mentally disabled. All nine of them assembled at the starting line, and at the sound of the gun, they took off. But not long afterward, one little boy stumbled and fell and hurt his knee and began to cry. The other eight children heard him crying. They slowed down, turned around, and ran back to him. Every one of them ran back to him. One little girl with Down syndrome bent down and kissed the boy and said, this will make it better. The little boy got up, and he and the rest of the runners linked their arms together and joyfully walked to the finish line. They all finished the race at the same time, and when they did, everyone in the stadium stood up and clapped and whistled and cheered for a long, long time. People who were there are still telling this story with great delight. And you know why? Because deep down, we know that what matters in this life is more than winning for ourselves. What really matters is helping others win, too, even if it means slowing down and changing our course now and then. How should this story influence how we lead in our educational systems?
1: Well, I think it's a great memory for Mr. Rogers and just the you know will you be my neighbor? you know will you commit to being my friend or being kind or sure. supporting me in ways that you know we have to with every child that walks through those doors every day
0: Jeff, I know that you're an avid reader because I read your tweets and and I know that you put a lot of time in just staying ahead of of the game and and trying to be current but What book are you currently reading that you'd recommend to people that are in leadership positions?
1: Yeah, right now, the one that's got me fascinated is Reclaiming Conversation by Sherry Turkle. Sherry Turkle is not anti-technology, but she's raising really good questions about the use of technology, and not just for young people, but everyone in society, uh, I love it when people talk about adults talk about the technology distractions are is a kid problem. Uh, every time I go to Des Moines, you know, 80 miles an hour down the interstate south of Ames, adults are passing me texting on their phones, and <laughs> so you go to restaurants and people are on their phones, or not talking to each other. Um, so Sherry Turkle is saying that you know we're really losing two main things that we need in society today, which again I think play to leaders as well empathy. By not sitting across the table from you and looking you in the sure, eye, sure. seeing your reactions, it's awfully hard to be for me to be empathetic. I can sit by, behind my computer with no emotions at all and type things that are very critical. And just, again, look every day at people's Facebook and Twitter feeds. It's very critical of others uh, because there's no empathy needed. Uh, the other thing is compromise. You know, we're really losing the ability to compromise when we're not having face-to-face conversations or ways to find out, okay, we can get both of our ideas or perspectives within this policy or within this way we're going to handle something. It's not either or, it's both and. And so she's really making me think about the one-to-one initiatives, for example, in our schools. You know, Are we trying to balance the use of technology with what do kids really need in terms of those basic relation skills? So it's, it's been a fantastic read so far, and I can't wait to finish it.
0: Interesting. Very good. You also do a little traveling throughout the country. Is there one restaurant that you'd recommend to anybody that was listening?
1: <laughs> one restaurant? Um, wow, that's a great question. Now, Las Flores in Rockwell City, you know, small town <laughs> food. Las Flores has a great steak fajita. And I'd still you know, stop at Hickory Park, passing through Ames every time I could. So,
0: Okay, Hickory, Hickory Park, <laughs> but the steak fajita is Las Flores my... steak fajita. There you yep. go. Jeff, is there anything I should have asked you that I didn't?
1: I think it's uh, just real important for, uh, you know, people who are listening to this to take what fits for them as well and and make sure that they're not trying to be Jeff Herzberg or Gary Richardson, even though, you know, we may have some life lessons that have been, you know, played on the school of hard knocks. You know, I think people have to take what fits for them. And as you said about, you know, being versus doing, it really needs to be who you are and just be true to yourself. So I don't know if that's something you didn't ask, but just a final comment.
0: Very good. Thanks so much to all of you for listening to Transforming Education Leadership Lessons as a leader in education, you matter and how you lead matters to a whole bunch of people that you serve on a daily basis. We welcome in Leslie Stover who is the marketing and communications coordinator for the graduate and adult online program at Northwestern College and has to sit here and listen to me all the way through these, but uh, we we appreciate Leslie sitting in and giving giving us what she heard as the key takeaways from today's episode with Jeff Herzberg. So, Leslie, what's worth our consideration today?
2: As you listen to this podcast and hear the great experience from Jeff and Gary, transforming education doesn't mean changing everything, replacing what's in place, but really adapting and meeting more students at a higher level. Effective leaders listen. They actually hear how decisions decisions are impacting not only our students, but also the adults, our teachers in the right. classrooms. Yep. As we're modeling effective teaching and serving as a leader, that serving as leader to, to Jeff is modeling the service as in putting our own needs of advancement and career placement second as a result of serving and putting others first growing our teaching abilities, and developing our own skills. Remember that people can be going through something we don't even know about, and having a trauma-informed mindset. Don't make things too complicated. Are we building relationships, and are we helping kids learn? The challenge from Jeff, how can you use the hashtag ABK, always be kind, as you go out and serve your students and other teachers? Interesting. Our second book challenge from Jeff, go out and check out Reclaiming Conversation by Sherry Turkle.
0: And where do you get that good steak fajita, Leslie?
2: I've heard in Rockwell, Las Flores might have the best steak fajita.
0: All right, and as if we're traveling down, I-35, Hickory Park in Ames is also one of Jeff's suggestions. Yes, yes. Thanks, Leslie, for your help. And we thank Jeff for giving of his time and sharing his wisdom as we reflect on leaders that inspire and influence education. As always, a special thanks to Leslie and Mike for their technical help in making this podcast a reality, and for Dan Robinson for getting it out to all you folks. Our next guest in the coming weeks will be Angela Myers, founder and CEO of Choose to Matter, initially launched to challenge and inspire students to work collaboratively to develop innovative solutions to social problems. Choose to Matter has evolved into a movement that supports parents, educators, and employers around the world. This promises to be a fun and emotional conversation with a leader who's said to be in the top five percent of individuals in this country that use social media to inspire and influence change throughout the world. Until next time, inspire and influence.